0: Well, good morning, church. Man, it's so good to be together. Thank you, Dan, and thank you to the worship team for leading us again in worship today. It's great. It's great that we have so many incredible uh, guest worship leaders coming into Riverside, and we're grateful to Dan and for all those that have been coming to lead us. We're very, man, it's just so blessed by that. It's, it's, really, it's really been fantastic. If you've been around the last few weeks, or at least last week, you know that we started a new series called Difference Makers. And just to catch you up to speed, really quick, uh, All we're trying to do from time to time is to remind ourselves of this calling. This calling to, sorry, I wear two bracelets, to live different. If you've been around, you may have one of these. Uh, And and it's just a simple reminder that this is who we're called to be. This is what we're called to do. That because of Jesus, because of what he's done for us, uh, that we're called and we're trying to, we're striving to, we're aspiring to live different because of the impact that Jesus is having on our lives as we daily spend time in prayer. As we daily spend time in his word. As we daily spend time with Jesus and, and, and experience him transforming us and changing us and calling us to live a different kind of life. So we believe we're called to live different in every way. We think we're called to, to be a different kind of husband, to be a different kind of wife, to be a different kind of brother, a different kind of sister, to be a different kind of family, to be a different kind of employer or employee. We think we're called to be a different kind of mom and a different kind of dad. We think we're called to be different in every area of our life because of Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. Now, last week we, we, we started honoring some of our different difference makers here at Riverside. And I hope you got to be here last week uh, to see that. If you weren't, I really, I don't ever say this, but I encourage you, go back last week, go to our Facebook feed, go to our website. You don't have to watch the whole sermon. I don't care about that. Watch the first five minutes and watch as we had a chance to honor uh, Pete Montgomery um, and also... Um, Uh, Christine Peak. it was just, it was an awesome moment for our church. Today we want to do that again. Um, We've been blessed. You have nominated so many people as difference makers here in this church, people that you see living different, living on mission as a part of our church, who are living out this calling to invite, invest, and engage, invite people into relationship, invite people to church. Uh, invest in other people, invest their very lives in those around them in different ways, or engage in what matters most either in our church or in our community or around our world, Uh, literally uh, using their time, talent, and treasure uh, to bless other people, to benefit this church, and to benefit the kingdom of God. It's been an awesome thing for us as a staff to receive those and to read those every week, and we're just blown away. We can't possibly honor everybody in a short amount of time. But I want you to know that even though the series is going to end today, we're going to keep this going here in the coming months. We'll take time from time to time to honor some of you who, who really are living different because we think it's important. Paul said in Romans 12, 10 to take delight in honoring each other. And truthfully, we don't do that enough, but it's really good to take a moment to give honor where honor is due. So I want to invite two of our, uh, one of our shepherd couples, two people, uh, Clark and Brenda Byrode, to come to the stage and join me. And I also want to invite uh, two of our difference makers, um, Lanilia Remet and uh, Sherry Potter, if you would come up on stage at this time.
1: I'm going to tell you a little bit about my sweet friend miss lanelia lanelia romet is a very special person with a servant heart since her teens she has volunteered for everything from camp supporting muscular dystrophy and children who have suffered a loss to inspiring young girls as a girl scout leader for 12 years to mission trips to mexico volunteering at riverside youth group camps and now sequential years traveling to honduras and as a camp errand counselor Professionally, Lanelia commands a very work- and time-intense leadership position in the software information security field and leads a team of 200 professional men and women and despite those enormous challenges, makes giving back a priority. After the death of her son, Michael, Lanelia has volunteered for a local nonprofit called Touched by Suicide, where she now serves as president and leads monthly support groups for survivors of suicide. These sessions take a toll, but also lift her spirit as she brings such needed hope and encouragement to those grieving their loss and who count on her strength and message to sustain them in their darkest days, months, and years. More amazingly, she volunteers as a member of the Denton County Loss Team, a team that meets the coroner on scene, anytime, day, or night, and provides support and comfort to families who have just lost a loved one to suicide while the coroner and police complete their work. Her strength and willingness to help in these situations, so raw with emotion and so close to her own personal tragedy, is remarkable and shows the depth and breadth of her compassionate heart. Literally saving lives, on a recent loss call, Lenelia, through her comforting and embracing style, and unbeknownst to her, until days later impacted a grieving father who had just lost his only child so significantly— he abandoned his plan to end his own life that very evening and is now attending support group meetings and dealing with his grief. John Remet states, Lenelia quietly and naturally goes about her days finding inspiration in the kindness of others and emulates that helping and nurturing style by impacting people's lives in both small and significant ways. Isn't that just what Jesus hopes his message inspires? Her daughter Christina commented, Lanelia has taken a horrible tragedy and turned it into something beautiful. My brother Michael died almost eight years ago, and my mom has invested so much of her being into other families who have lost loved ones to suicide. She plans a walk every year in memory of those loved ones we've lost to suicide. She immediately contacts families and reaches out when she hears of a suicide. She is part of the lost team, which is a team that goes on scene to suicides right when they happen to assist the families. She has truly taken something ugly and turned it into something absolutely beautiful. Sweet Lanelia.
2: It's my honor to uh, introduce to you Sherry Potter. For those of you that don't know Sherry, she's the uh, mother of Christopher, Timothy, and Joshua, sitting right back over here with her husband, Wilson. And uh, Sherry doesn't like the limelight, but she's, she's not afraid of it. And uh, I'm just uh, honored to be able to to say these nice words about you, Sherry. This is, uh, I want to read to you what Amy McCowan had, had written when she rec- uh Put your name in for a difference maker. She said, I have seen Sherry engage in our church through the women's ministry. She helped to start grow groups, planned ladies' days, and helped to connect the women of this church. Brenda Baumgartner also wrote this about you, Sherry. She said, Sherry is always investing her time and talents for others. She leads the women's ministry and is always one of the first people to step up and help when others are in need. The most recent example of this is when our own uh, church family members, the Harringtons, Case, Connie, and Chase, Case was in a, a serious, very serious car uh, accident, but uh, Sherry was one of the first people to visit in the hospital. She gathered cards for the family and continues to walk beside them through the healing. And uh, what I, I love most about uh, Sherry and Linelia's is they just—they don't wait to be asked; they just step right up and. Uh, that You truly, truly are difference makers, and I want to read a little bit what the little certificate that they're going to be receiving today. It says, you make a difference uh, by choosing to live different as you serve others in the name of Jesus, April 29th of 2018, Riverside Church of Christ. And there's also a couple of pins here that says, making a difference.
0: Hey, yeah, real quick, stay standing, and let's just say a prayer. Can we just thank God for, the, for you guys and for this moment? I just think it's a good thing. God. God, we just come before you in this moment, and, um, wow, we are just overcome. Uh, anytime God's people uh, just push pause to see the good in each other and to see how you're working and using those around us and among us to do incredible things uh, for your church, for your kingdom, for the community, Father, um, to shine a spotlight on uh, your spirit at work in their lives, uh, to reach and touch others with the love of Jesus. Uh, Father, it's an awesome thing. And I know Lanilia, I know Sherry, I know they don't crave or desire uh, any of this attention. But Father, it's, it's on us um, to thank you for them and to thank you for the way that you're working in their life uh, to bless this church and to bless those around them and to bless our community and to bless our world. So God, we just pray that you would continue the good work that you've began in their hearts and their lives. God, that you would inspire all of us in, in similar ways, God, to use our talents and gifts uh, to serve your church and to serve uh, your kingdom, God. And we thank you so much uh, for Jesus and for the way He continues to work in all of our lives. Uh, God, for our good, for the good of others, and for your ultimate glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And once again, I don't I don't know that you need to hear much from me after just seeing. Um, the Spirit of God alive in such sweet servants at Riverside. And you know as well as I do, uh, there are so many of you in this church uh, who are serving uh, in your own way. And I think that's what's so beautiful about this, is that as you look around the landscape of this church, or really any church, uh, you see that the Spirit of God is working in, in different people in different ways and when you put it all together, it's just such a beautiful tapestry of the work of God in this church and in our community, in our world, in our lives. And, and it's, it's glorious. And it's not that any one of us on our own could do, to do, could do any of that. But the fact that all of us together in our own small ways, uh, in our own ways that God has gifted and talented us, are using those gifts and talents to, to bless others. It's just a beautiful thing. And so let me just say again, thank you, church. Thank you, Riverside, for being the kind of place, uh, the, for being the kind of people that you're, you're looking to allow God to use you uh, in different ways. And, and it's so important that we stay in tune with that. And that's, to be honest, that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and I want this to encourage us. I want it to challenge us. I want it to, to call us uh, to different places. And I don't know where it's going to impact you or hit you. If you're a follower of Jesus, I have an idea about what I what I hope will happen. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you'll lean in and just kind of look behind the curtain and, and see part of what we're we're striving for. And it really for us it begins with this question, and I want to ask you this question as we begin this morning. What do you think about? What do you think about when you think about the Holy Spirit? What do you think about when you think about the Holy Spirit? I've confessed this on multiple occasions, so if you've been around very long, it won't surprise you to hear this again. I I, I don't mind sharing this. It's one of my... Frailties, it tells you I'm human and, and that we can't all be good at everything. One of the things that I'm terrible at is, is directions. If you've ever ridden in the car with me, you know this. Um, I often get lost. It's a daily occurrence, it's just part of my life. I, I take wrong turns, I miss turns, I, my, I get lost in thought, mostly in prayer, and uh, I don't know uh, which way to turn. And this happens to me all the time. Uh, just kidding, I don't pray that much, but I should, and you should too. Let's get back on track. Uh, so I have three strategies uh, to help me when I'm driving, and you probably know these and use these too. I have the, the GPS on my phone, and I use that. Sometimes I use two GPS's at once. That's really confusing. I don't recommend it, um, but I'll try it just to just to make sure I get to where I'm going. I've done that. I use that every day. Uh, the other strategy I use is to get someone in the car with me that knows where we're going, and and like a real life person can give me turn-by-turn directions. I tell people this is why I married my wife. She's really good at this, and we never get lost when she's with me. Every Tuesday, our staff goes to lunch, and I always try to have one of our staff members in my car so that I don't get lost, and they can tell you that's true. Um, The third strategy I use, maybe you've done this as well, is if I'm going somewhere and I don't know where where it is or I haven't been there before, I'll try to follow someone that's been there, right? And so they're in the car in front of me, and I follow them to wherever we're going. And I don't know if you've ever done this, probably not because you're not like me, but uh, I do this all the time. If I'm following someone, it always happens. I'll look down for a moment. I'll check the radio. I'll get lost in thought. I'll take my eyes off their bumper for what seems like, you know, five seconds. And I look back up. And, and I think I'm following their car, but 10 minutes later, 20 minutes later, sometimes 30 minutes later, I get a phone call from the person I'm supposed to be following saying, Hey, where are you? I'm right behind you. No, you're not. I'm right behind a car that looks like yours. This is a problem. They need to make every car completely distinct. For my personal benefit. Uh, Because it's so frustrating, isn't it? Uh, If you've ever done this, to realize that for, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes, maybe longer, you've been following the wrong person, and now you're more lost than when you first began. But you were trying to stay on track. Here's what I think happens in our lives, at least for those of us who are believers of Jesus and followers of Jesus. I think if you've been following Jesus for any length of time, what happens to every single one of us is that at some point we look up and we realize... We've been following the wrong car. We've been following the wrong leader. I don't know if you've experienced this in your, in your life as a believer in Jesus. Again, if you're not a believer in Jesus, you don't have to worry about this. But if you are a believer in Jesus, you may have experienced this, where you wake up one day and you realize your life, there just isn't a lot of joy. Your life, you're not experiencing much peace. Your life, for whatever reason, you, you don't, you're not experiencing love. You don't feel loved. You, you feel lost. You feel alone. And you don't know why. And you wake up one day and you thought, I've tried to do the right thing. It's like I, I went to church. I showed up every Sunday or just about every Sunday You know, I I, I taught my kids about Jesus, and I got them there to to Bible school on time. I I did that. I even gave some of my money to the church. Like, I thought I was doing all the right things, but I wake up in the morning, and I just don't feel. Like, even if you were raised in the church, you probably sang that song, that Fruits of the Spirit song. You know what I'm talking about? You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I'm singing in my head, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Did I get them all? Some of you have that tune in your head the rest of the day. I'm sorry. You sang that song as a kid, but now your life, you're like, that doesn't reflect my life. I don't have a lot of joy. I don't have a lot of peace. I don't have a lot of patience. I don't understand. I thought I was doing all the right things. My life is better described as stressed out, overworked, underpaid, worn out, broken down. I got too many plates to spin. I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. You know, my life is a country song. It's just not working out. And you're wondering, what in the world? Where did I go wrong? You wake up and you look and you realize, oh, maybe I thought I was following Jesus, but maybe I've been following after something different. Because I'll tell you this, and you just know this, you know that this is true. That if you're following Jesus, it doesn't mean you're not going to experience hard things. But if you're following Jesus, you will experience love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness and all those things. You will. And if you're not, it may simply be because at some point, and maybe it wasn't even on purpose. Maybe it was, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe for a moment you took your eyes off the car in front of you. The one Jesus was driving. And he went left and you kept going. You looked up and you thought you were following him. But in fact, you're not. And what I want to ask you to think about today is what does life look like? What does a life look like, truly? A life that is following Jesus. And how does that work itself out for you and me? you have your bibles if you have the bible app you can open up to acts chapter 16 we're going to look uh there in just a moment acts 16 we'll start in verse 6 uh, we, we came to Acts last week, and we, we, we shared a story uh, from, from this letter uh, as well, because Acts is full of stories of the church in its very beginning. It's written by a guy named Luke, who some think was a doctor. He was an educated man. He wrote his first book, was called, it's called Luke, the Gospel of Luke. It's literally his, he talked to different eyewitnesses. He did all the research and wrote down the story of Jesus, uh, the story of the life, death, burial, and resurrection, and then the ascension of Jesus. And somewhere along the way, Luke became not just fascinated with the story and not, didn't just become an author of the story, but he became a follower of Jesus too. He, be, he became a part of this movement that Jesus started. And as Acts unfolds, Acts is another letter written to, another, to one of his friends, and he's saying, let me, let me tell you what's happening in this Jesus movement. Let me tell you what's happening in these followers, these disciples of Jesus. And over and over through the story of Acts, you see these stories of the, the very first church trying to figure this whole thing out and how to live and how to do it and what it's like And what does it mean to follow a Jesus who is with us but physically is not present? How do you do that? In Acts 16, just to catch up to the story, uh, followers of Jesus have already been taking mission trips, right? Right? They've been going out to share the news and the story of Jesus with those who who may not have heard it yet. And this leads them to go farther and farther away from where the story started. And as we pick up in Acts 16, there's two followers of Jesus, Paul and Silas. And Paul's setting out on his second missionary journey is what we call it. I like to say it's a second mission trip. And I want you to see what happens as Paul and Silas, and you'll even see at parts of the story, Luke changes the pronoun from they and them to we and us And that's where Luke joins the story as well, writing himself into the story. I want you to see what happens in the life of these believers, these followers of Jesus, as they are trying to figure out what life looks like, trying to keep their eyes fixed on a Jesus who is with them but not physically present. Acts 16, verse 6, we pick up the story there, and Luke says this. He says, Next, Paul and Silas... Again, they're on their second mission trip. Traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. And this is why. You may want to underline this. Because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, and you may want to underline this, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through Mycia to the seaport of Troas. I don't know about you, but I, I find this incredibly fascinating that twice the Holy Spirit is preventing them from going somewhere that they thought they should go. And again, remember, they've got literally the best intentions in the world in their heart and mind. They're trying to carry the message, the story of Jesus to people who may not have heard it yet. They're trying to, to take it further into Asia and share this truth with the masses, to, to gather crowds around them and to tell them the story of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit stops them. And Luke says it this way, and it's the only time he says it this way, but in the original language, he literally says, the Spirit of Jesus prevented them from doing this. And I don't know if you're like me, but I'm thinking, why in the world would the Holy Spirit stop these fellas from going to share the news of Jesus with people who may not have heard Jesus? Maybe some of them have, but maybe some of them haven't. Why in the world would he do that? Why in the world would the Spirit of Jesus? The Spirit of Jesus is still alive and active and moving and leading and guiding these guys. Why is he stopping them from going to Asia? Why is he preventing them? I don't know about you, but it makes me wonder. Is it possible that sometimes, is it possible that sometimes, What we want, even if it's a good thing, may not be what God wants. Is it possible in your life and my life, in the lives of those of us who who were trying our very best to follow Jesus, is it possible that sometimes the Holy Spirit has different plans for us? We have our plans, but the Holy Spirit has His plans. And what happens so often, I don't know if you're like me, this is what I do I have my plans, I pray about my plans. My assumption is God is going to agree with my plans because they're really good. These guys' plans, they were really good. God's going to agree with my plans, and he's going to bless my plans. And if, in fact, I make my plans, I pray by my plans, and then I follow through on my plans, and those plans come to life, I'm going to give God praise. I'm going to give a little lip service and thank God for, for doing that. If not, I might get a little upset with God for not coming through for me. But did it ever occur to me that maybe, just maybe, I got my plans the Holy Spirit has different plans you ever stop what you're doing long enough to ask the question like I know what I want and what I want might even be really really good but is it what God wants you ever stop to ask the question I wonder if the Holy Spirit has got different plans for me Somehow in this story, the Holy Spirit, literally the Spirit of Jesus, prevents Paul and Silas from going and doing a really good thing. And he's redirecting them into a different direction. Verse 9, this is what happens next. And I want you to see this because this is what life looks like, I think, when followers of Jesus are literally trying to follow Jesus. Verse 9, that night, crazy story, but just read on. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Now, this is a little bit of a crazy story, but I want you to track what's happening here. This is really interesting, isn't it? That Paul has a dream, has a vision of a man in Europe who's calling him and saying, literally, come and help us. What he's saying is, come and save us. Come and bring the message of salvation to us. And what I find really, really interesting is that Paul didn't trust his own perception, his own interpretation of what was going on in this moment to himself. Verse 10 says, We decided to leave for Macedonia at once. So Paul's vision and Paul's personal interpretation of that vision wasn't enough for them to change course and change direction, but he brought that vision apparently back to the community, back to the other guys, back to Silas, and it looks like maybe Luke, and they talk about it, and together they discern this is what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. You see, discerning the will of the Holy Spirit I think you find this over and over again in Scripture, especially in the New Testament as you read the story of the church. Discerning the will of the Holy Spirit is often done best in community. And if you feel like, if you believe the Spirit is moving in your life, prompting you to do something, and you take that before your community, your fellow believers, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and you test that, and you decide that they agree and that it is in line with the mission and vision of God, then you're probably right on track. But here's one more clue. If what you believe the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do lines up with his mission and vision and is confirmed by the community and it's also way different than anything you would have ever thought of, you're probably absolutely on track. That's what happens for Paul and Silas right here. This is what happens over and over again throughout the story. So here's what happens next. Verse 11. They boarded a boat to Troas. And they sailed straight across the island of Samothrace. And the next day they landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank. To a riverbank. Get that. They went to a riverbank. You may want to underline that and circle that to to a riverbank. I think that's crazy. They went to a riverbank, I'll tell you why in a minute, where they thought people would be meeting for prayer. They thought it might happen, so they went to a riverbank to see if people were meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. So let's just retrace the story real quick. Paul, Silas, and maybe Luke changed directions. They were going to preach to the masses in Asia, but God brought them over across the sea to, to Europe to meet on a riverbank with the Tuesday morning ladies' Bible class. That's basically what's happening right here with these women who have gathered to pray. They've traveled all this way. They've ignored the masses, and they've come to meet with a few women who have gathered on this riverbank to pray. This is what happens over and over again in our lives. It's it's worked this way in my life. Maybe it's worked this way in your life too. The Holy Spirit always seems to move us to these riverbank moments. To do what seems so often so small and insignificant and unimportant. But if we'll just trust the prompting of the Holy Spirit, it seems like it happens over and over again. That those small riverbank moments, they have such a massive impact on the world around us. And here's what happens. I think this is huge. Because Paul and Silas and their friends decided to put down their plans decided that they were more interested in the, in the direction of the Holy Spirit than they were in their personal priorities. They, they reprogrammed their GPS. It took them to a new de- destination in a brand new direction, to a riverbank in the middle of Europe, to some place that was obscure where no one even knew where they were, to carry the message of Jesus to a, a place that had yet had not even heard the name of Jesus. And they get there to a riverbank to talk with some ladies who were there, who had gathered to pray. This is what happens. Verse 14. One of them was a lady named Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. What was Paul saying? You know what Paul was saying. He was talking about Jesus. That's all Paul ever did. He just talked about Jesus. And as he's talking about Jesus, Lydia's listening. The other women are listening. Lydia hears him talking about Jesus. God opens her heart. In verse 15, she and her whole household were baptized. Why? Why were they baptized? Because Paul and Silas were willing to change their minds, to change their plans, to change their direction, because they felt the Holy Spirit of God was moving them to a new place to a new location. It it literally meant they had to think different. It meant that they had to to put down their own pride and their own plans and their own thoughts about what they thought God was calling them to do and instead do what they felt the Holy Spirit was calling them to do. And they did that and it led them to a riverbank in the middle of nowhere to a small group of women who were praying. And Lydia, one of those ladies, believed because God opened her heart. And she and her household were baptized, and here's what's really cool about the story. If you keep reading your Bible, you're going to come upon another letter written by Paul, who we're talking about in the story, to a church in Philippi. And just just to show you this, this is verse 1 of that letter. This is how that letter begins. Philippians 1, 1, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, another one of Paul's friends. Slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. You see, you never ever know what hangs in the balance of you making the decision to be obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because Paul and Silas were were attentive to the Spirit and obedient to the Spirit. They followed the Spirit to Philippi, to that riverbank, and they met Lydia Her her and her whole household were baptized, and a church was born. So much so that years later, Paul is writing this church in Philippi. Unbelievable. All because Paul and Silas were attentive to the Holy Spirit and willing to be obedient to what they believed the Spirit of God was calling them to do. So what about you? What about you? What about me? Are we the kind of people that are willing to change our minds? Are we the kind of people that are willing to change our direction? Are we the kind of church that is attentive to and led by the Spirit of Jesus? Are we the kind of people that are attentive to and obedient to the promptings of the Spirit in our lives? And again, I'm talking to those of you who are believers and followers of Jesus Christ in the room. I love this one story, and there's lots of stories, but just to share one story with you. I saw this story on Instagram a few weeks ago. Uh, there's a singer-songwriter uh, I follow named Mia Fields. I don't know if you know who Mia Fields is. You may not know who she is, but you probably know her music. She's written a ton of songs for the church. If you listen to any Christian radio, I guarantee you, you've, you've heard her music. Mia lives in Nashville, and one night she was at a, at a local you know, restaurant playing with a bunch of songwriters, sharing songs. And when she left that night, the valet got her car, and, and there was a note on her car from the valet, and, and the note said this. I think you'll see the picture from Instagram on the screen. Um, Oh, I, I left it there. She said, uh, do you see it there? There it is. She said, barring, uh, this guy said, barring a miracle, uh, I'm on the verge of losing my home. Uh, your songs were very inspiring to me. And um, as a believer whose faith is very weak right now, thank you, Nathan the valet. Well, Mia got in her car and she began to drive off. But she kept thinking, man, I can't not respond to this little note so she calls back to the restaurant where she had just left and she said hey can can somebody give me the name of the valet company and and they said sure and so she got the name of the valet company she called the valet company and she hounded the guy there until finally and i'm sure this breaks all kind of laws they gave her the cell phone of nathan the valet and she calls nathan the valet because she couldn't leave it alone And she came to find out that Nathan had lost his job some 16 months ago. He's working four different jobs to try to make ends meet in the meantime. But they're on the verge of losing their home, losing their car. They've got medical bills to pay. And on top of all that, he and his wife had just celebrated 10 years of marriage. And as you might imagine, it was the worst, like, 10-year anniversary ever. Mia said, hey, listen, I don't know what we can do to help, but we want to do something. And so Mia put this picture up on Instagram next. I think you'll see it next. She put a picture of her valet ticket uh, with her name on it, and she, she, she put out a note to those that follow her on Instagram, and she said, hey, I want to tell you the story about Nathan the valet. And she shared the story with them of what had happened that night, and she said, um, I've convinced Nathan, I've told him it's not a scam, I've convinced him to download this app called the Cash App. If you know what the Cash App is, it's just a really easy app you can use to send money to different people. I asked him to choose a username, and the username that he chose, I love the username he chose, the username that, that Nathan the valet chose is He Always Provides. And she says, you don't have to, but if you want to, if you want to just give a little bit of money to Nathan the valet and his family, I know that they would appreciate it. Well, Nathan and his wife would tell Mia later that all night long their phone was dinging, beeping, and buzzing as people just sent in little gifts of $10, $20, $50, dollars $100. Over and over again, all night and all the next day, people are just, they see Mia's post on Instagram. They're opening up the Cash App and they're sending money to Nathan and his wife. Well, here's a picture that Mia put up of Nathan, the valet, and his family. Mia has no idea and she doesn't want to know how much money was given. That wasn't important. But here's what Mia did share. That Nathan received enough money to take care of the problems with their home, to take care of the problems with their car, to pay off some of that medical debt, and also to take his wife on a real date for their tenth year anniversary. Now, why did that happen? I would I would argue this. I would argue that Mia felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit, and she didn't ignore it. She decided to get involved she decided to let the Holy Spirit disrupt her life and complicate her life. She decided that, yeah, I don't know how it's going to work out. It may be messy. It may or may not even work. But the reality is, this is a fellow believer in Jesus who needs the help of other believers in Jesus. So let's see if we can't rally around this believer in Jesus and help make things the way they ought to be. And because she didn't keep on driving... Because she allowed the Spirit of God to change her day, to change her plans, to interrupt, you know, what was going on in her life and in her world and to do something, man. She made a difference. This is what you guys do, this is what you guys do who we recognize as difference makers. This is what you this is how you live. You allow the Spirit of God to disrupt your life to to, to intervene and, and change your schedule. So that you can be available to the spirit of Jesus to go and to do something that you might not normally do. And it's a different way of living. But it's the way that God is calling us to live because this much is true. Difference makers are obedient to and directed by the spirit of Jesus. This is just true. This is just true. Difference makers. Paul and Silas, this was true for them. Mia Fields, this is true. This was true of her. Lanelia, Lan- 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 Sherry. Christine, this is true of you. This is what you do. You allow the spirit of Jesus to prompt you. And when it does, you're obedient to it and you allow it to redirect your path. So that you're available for God to do in you and through you more than you could ever ask, dream, or imagine. Why? Because this is what we do. This is what we're called to do. We're called to be people. People who are attentive to. Maybe it starts there for us. You've got to listen. Some of us, when we pray, we do more talking than listening. If you're not listening, you can't be attentive to what the Spirit of Jesus is saying. To listen and to have a life that is obedient to and directed by the Spirit of Jesus. Church, if you would, let's stand together. So what do you think about when you think about the Holy Spirit? Let's be honest. We could have like a 25-week series on the Holy Spirit and still not figure it all out. And I'll be honest. We'll spend all of our days trying to understand what it means to live a life led by the Holy Spirit. But here's what I believe is true. That if we are attentive and if we are bold, if we are brave, that God will prompt us and the Spirit of Jesus will lead us to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine to benefit his church, to spread the gospel, and to bring glory to his name. So I'm going to invite our shepherds and their wives to kind of make their way around the room. And here's what I'm going to ask, really just two things. First, if for whatever reason you feel like your life is off track, like you look up this morning and you realize, oh, I thought I was following Jesus, but I think I had my eyes on the wrong car and I want to get my life back on track. And you want someone to pray with you, these guys and their wives will tell you, they don't have it all figured out either, but they're more than willing to pray for you and to usher you into the presence of God and ask God to help you, to ask God to help you hear his voice and hear his spirit and live a life that is led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, they'll pray for that. They'll ask God to help you with that. And if you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit, Every time in this letter, we call it the book of Acts. Every time someone becomes a follower of Jesus, two things happen. They're baptized and they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you've never been baptized, if you've never re- ever received the gift of the Holy Spirit, it, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this it's mysterious, it's strange. We step into these waters and we're buried with Christ and then we're resurrected to new life. And somehow in that process, God does something that only God can do. He washes away our sins and he gives us his Holy Spirit to live in us and dwell in us. That's just the way it works. If you've never experienced that, if you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, I want to tell you, I want to invite you this morning, we would love to see you baptized into Jesus and we would love to see you receive the Holy Spirit so that you can live a life led by the Holy Spirit. So you can Live a life where the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do in your life more than you could ask, dream, or imagine. And if you want that this morning, then come find me, I'll be right down here. Come find one of our shepherds and their wives. We would love to pray for you, and we'll hang out and we'll make that happen today if that's what your desire is. Because here's the desire for all of us. At the end of the day, when all is said and done, one thing is gonna matter, one thing's gonna count. We sang the song earlier. It's one of the first songs we sang that Dan led. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. By the way, that song came from a letter written by Paul to the Philippians. And what we want as a church is for as many people as possible to have already made that confession of faith so that when Jesus returns, when he returns, we can go. We can live forever and ever with our God and King. And if there's any way we can help you with that today, we would love to do that as we sing this song. Let's sing.